This is the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIBC. Now, uh, let's let's try a little of that again. Uh, my daughter, as wonderful and sweet as she is, has recently taken up uh, coming into the office studio, climbing up onto this chair and pulling the microphone close to her and saying show loudly and excitedly. And uh, she today pulled the microphone close. And I guess there, there's a little switch here on the microphone that instantly uh, basically mutes the microphone, you know, just in case you're, I don't know, eating while you're on the air. And uh, didn't realize that switch had been flipped in the last, uh, I'd say, last half hour or so. So no worries. Let's go ahead and dig into the news on this beautiful Thanksgiving Eve. Confusion in Buffalo, New York, after there were instant uh, reports of an explosion and a car crash at the Rainbow Bridge border crossing. Fox News ended up reporting, at least early on, uh, that it was an act of terrorism. And uh, thank God it turned out not to be. Still, two were killed. It was a very horrible situation. Right now, they are calling this situation reckless driving. Uh, it just goes to show that instantly after any kind of tragedy, anytime there's any kind of confusion and concern, uh, that's when the, uh, let's say, the the strange and unusual sources start coming out and kind of flooding the airwaves. So we'll keep you updated if anything breaks regarding that. Although the FBI was investigating this as a possible terror threat at the time, uh, by this point now, several hours later, it looks like it was just a case of reckless driving. Again, we'll keep you updated in case anything pops up. Biden is touting his turkey prices, a meal for 10 people, uh, according to a CNBC report, is $61.17 for a plate this year, whereas uh, last year's record high was $64.05. The question that you should be asking is why is uh, Thanksgiving still $61.00? Uh, that's ridiculous, of course. And I do really enjoy the Biden administration uh, touting the price of turkey uh, going down by uh, like two or three dollars um, when, again, the price of turkey is still exorbitantly high, as is every other meat. They did this with hot dogs about a year ago, if you remember that. Oh, your hot dogs are like 14 cents cheaper. Good luck. I, seriously, if there's anyone out there who feels as though they have more money than when Biden took office, uh, I look forward to seeing them come to vote in 24. As of right now, not yet likely. Well, the Biden administration has honestly a, a pretty decent sized scandal on their hands because uh, Stephen Havanek, an official who works uh, in the Biden administration as a top administration for the Pentagon's school system, was arrested in a human trafficking sting in Georgia today. Uh, this was a guy who oversaw elementary schools for the Pentagon. So uh, as as far as that whole, you know, we promise Democrats aren't uh, groomers thing. Um, not really very, not really a good thing when it turns out that individuals working in the school system in the Pentagon uh, are caught in a um, sex trafficking sting. Definitely not a good look for our sniffer in chief. Uh, the FBI now says that the Ohio Walmart shooting victims were both white and black. Uh, in fact, uh, the individual who shot up the Ohio Walmart uh, shot two white people and two black people. And the FBI released a statement saying that this may have been at least partially inspired 
by uh, racially motivated, violent extremist ideology. So you heard it first, guys. Whenever there is a crime that involves, you know, only people who happen to be white or Jewish or Asian, it's not a hate crime. Yeah, we have to wait for the facts to come out. But if there's an event and there is ever a point when a black person is involved, it is instantly classified as a hate crime. If there's ever a person who happens to be Muslim involved, it's instantly Islamophobia. This kind of double standard is getting really, really tiresome. I mean, you, you have to admit, it's at least a little bit exhausting at this point. But can we just wait before we come out and we say we know the motive behind the shooting? We know all the entire person's life history. Let's just wait a little bit for some of the stuff to come out. I mean, if, if President Kennedy's assassination has taught us absolutely anything at all, perhaps we pump the brakes for just just a moment. Six vis, excuse me, six victims were rescued and uh, charges of uh, pandering, drug possession, prostitution, and pimping um, in another FBI sting regarding ch- sex trafficking. Uh, it really appears as though at this point, sex trafficking is a serious epidemic in the United States. It appears as though certain movies over the summer that were released are not just conservative fear-mongering, and uh, it is very important that you keep track of your kids and where they're going uh, and the kind of safety that you're taking out in public. Because again, whether it's a possibility of a mass shooting whether it's a possibility of a sex trafficking situation. Uh, yes, they are statistics when they're not in your community, when they're not happening to you. And it is very unlikely that you'll encounter those kinds of things, but it is very important to be prepared. Uh, one of the last things that I wanted to point out this uh, evening, at least regarding the quick news roundup that I think is rather pressing, um, Israel and Hamas have reached a deal to pause and exchange hostages. Uh, This takes place for about four or five days. President Biden is very proud of this very important deal that he's brokered. Uh, Again, the two groups of hostages are very important to look at. On one side, on on the hostages that Israel has taken, they have captured several Hamas uh, militants. They have captured several of the members of Hamas. They're young, they're male, they're in their 20s. They were caught fighting and they were captured as the rules of war dictate. According to every bit of evidence that we have, they have been treated very fairly. They've been fed, uh, fully fed every day. They have been given all of their rights that are due and under the rules of war and, and prisoner of war situations. However, the the people that Hamas is holding, that some of whom they will be releasing, not all, but some of whom they will be releasing, are all comprised of women and children. So Israel had captured prisoners of war, whereas Hamas had kidnapped and likely raped according to surveillance footage that we've received uh, over from Hamas, that again, Hamas is posted onto social media themselves. Israel is is trying to free, uh, in this case, as many women and children as they can and are begrudgingly given up, uh, giving up several uh, able-bodied military men that will, I guarantee you, go back to fighting the second they are back across the border in Hamas, in Hamas land, in, in the Gaza Strip. And anyone who says at this point that these two sides are the same There is consistent evidence that is repeatedly slapping you in the face that says otherwise. But my favorite point from this entire thing is that ABC News tweeted this this morning. Despite reaching an agreement with Hamas on a temporary ceasefire in exchange for the release of dozens of hostages, the Israeli military continued to bombard the Gaza Strip this morning. Um, Just just to be clear, uh, the ceasefire does not start. For, for, for a little bit longer. And anyone with a calendar or a phone or a smartwatch um, or a fourth grade reading education could, could know that. So if you're having a bad day, at least, hey, think about it. At least you're not working for ABC News. 
And they are, of course, getting torn to shreds over, once again, another case of very shoddy reporting. Up next, we're going to be talking with Attorney General Rakita, followed by Spencer Clavin from the Claremont Institute. You are listening to the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. The Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. Welcome back to the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. Look who stopped by for Thanksgiving. Attorney General Todd Rakita, good to have you on, sir. Yeah, you too, Tony. Happy Thanksgiving. And yeah, I don't, uh, through the screen, I can't get to any food. So probably probably would say that's a good thing, but happy Thanksgiving anyway. I've got my stock for gravy simmering <laughs> on the stove, so I'm, I'm getting prepared. Speaking of uh, getting prepared, and uh, you're really going to like that. That segue was real smooth. Uh, I saw something that I, I had to do a double take because I thought originally it was kind of like an Indiana version of a Babylon Bee headline. Uh, so Destiny Wells, who just lost to Diego Morales, um, which was a an interesting candidate to lose to. Maybe we'll leave it at that. Uh, is now running uh, after she failed to be our um, Secretary of State. Now she is going to be the uh, candidate for attorney general, or at least try to be. And I guess it's because she says that we need like an attorney general that protects the rights of patients. Mm. And I, I gotta tell you, that was a little weird for me because it, if I have reviewed a lot of the cases that you guys have worked on and I have, because, you know, I do my research before I have an interview. Appreciate that. Isn't that like the majority of what you're already doing? <laughs> I mean, well, first of all, she could protect the rights of a, a 10 year old, abortion patient and agree with me that that doctor, her doctor shouldn't have gone to the Indianapolis star and blab the story all over uh, that newspaper that then went all around the world. So let's start with that little girl's medical privacy, which was all that case was about. Right. Um, She doesn't even have to agree with me on abortion to do that. She can agree with that little girl's privacy, but she won't do that because um, just like um, all Democrats, just like all socialists, Destiny Wells lives and dies on the altar of government and abortion. And, and, and it's really radical. That medical privacy is really just a code word for being a pro-abortion, which in their world means abortion on demand. Anytime from conception to after birth, you can suck the head out of the baby and that'd be just fine. That's what right. that means. And I've, I've noticed- Padraquitas are radical. That means they're the radicals. And I'm pretty sure I have the, um, the mainstream of Indiana in terms of because uh, I travel around the state a lot more than she ever will. Um, uh, uh, going to every county every year, did that since I was Secretary of State. I got a pretty good bead on how Hoosiers feel. And they're not feeling uh, Destiny Wells anytime soon. Right. So that's actually one of the things that I, I kind of want to dig into. We're on with Attorney General Rakita here on the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. Uh, I get a lot of campaign promises coming out of a lot of candidates running in Indiana right now, heading into the 2024 election um, from the left. Of course, I mean, at every single election there, the Democrats propose some new candidate that I guess is going to promise to do everything but the kitchen sink. Um, and, and, you know, look, that that's another you know class of candidate. But I've also seen a lot of Republican candidates kind of running listlessly with these very 
weird, ambiguous promises. They're going to promise to keep doing what we've started. They're going to promise to make life better in the state. And yet there are real goals and issues that Hoosiers have in mind coming in the next couple of years Mm -hmm. that I'm not really seeing a lot of gubernatorial candidates specifically. Um, Also, uh, a lot of um, uh, candidates for the legislature coming up that are really bringing anything to the table. I mean, what's with the empty campaign promises? Again, you work with these people, you see them every day. What, what, we can't come up with anybody who can at least make a PowerPoint that's got a few bullet points for some specific ideas? What's with this garbage? Well, I don't know if I could, if I deserve to be anyone's campaign manager but my own. So let me start with me. Um, you, you, gave, you make a great point, and we have to be specific and we have to focus on goals. And that's why I try to talk in terms of numbers. You know, $1 billion recovered from the state of Indiana, uh, whether they're opioid and drug manufacturers, whether it's Google, where I got $20 million uh, in a settlement from them. I try to focus on those real numbers. We just eclipsed uh, last week uh, the amount of money given back in any single given year for unclaimed property. Um, and I know you and your listeners are not going to believe this because it's a huge problem. I, I understand it's a problem. I get the problem on my phone just like everyone else does. But we have a record number of fines levied against robocallers and robo spoofers. And the reason we've gotten that done is because we've switched the dynamic where instead of trying to go after AT&T and Verizon, we're actually partnering with them, utilizing their technology, and that has sped up um, uh, amazingly the uh, rate of us finding these folks. Now, the problem is we find them in India or right. somewhere else. And it's, you know, I, you know the, the arm of Indiana law may not be able to reach that far. And if it does, they might be empty pocketed. But we've also found a, a guy making those calls out of a trailer in Evansville. We found, find, we found and find two companies in the state of California, a record amount of fines, and they've stopped. Uh, but it is a whack-a-mole. I mean, especially we're talking about a global community and the technology that we have, it's just all over, all over the place, but we're knocking right. that out. Certainly better than any Destiny Wells or any Democrat could uh, because we are the party of law and order. As to your question, not trying to avoid it, as to others, you know, I, I will do my best, Tony, through my leadership position, through my campaign, to encourage that specificity because you're right. It's deserved by the electorate. And it makes for a better campaign. It makes for a better candidate. And it makes for, and my, and this is why I use it, it makes for accountability on my part. I think the reason that I, I continue to you know, honestly levy a bit of support in, in your defense is not because you're a nice guy. Although, you know, you've been nice to me, but, you know, that's... You know, it's, What's it's, not to love, Tony? Oh, well, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you. I, pr- I appreciate your checks in the mail. Um, in all seriousness, I think that you actually have a, a series of receipts to deliver for your job. And although you get, you get a lot of garbage, you say, well, you know, he's, he's out here being, you know, he's treating the attorney general's job like it's a political job, which, you know, there's a lot of argument as to whether that should or shouldn't be the, the, the case. Mm-hmm. Again, as long as I see the receipts coming, I'll continue to support you. And as long right. as I see the receipts coming from any governor or attorney general or congressman or senator or whatever, I will, uh, state senator, then I will continue to support that individual. Give me the good administration and I'll support the campaign. And that's kind of where I'm coming no, no. from. And that's fair. And that's because you're an honest broker and you're a deliverer of news and fact. And and there's some there that I mean, I, and hey, there's some politically over there uh, that we were met, were alluding to where I agree on all their issues. I'm like, scratch my head and I go, 
I, I'm in the same position they are. And I think it just it either comes down to a personality thing or uh, and what I don't tolerate, uh, whether it's news and it's most of the news is is lying. And there's stuff that is just completely fabricated, completely made up. It's even beyond. I can't even say it's set out of ignorance. I mean, there's some grace in that. But when you maliciously and intentionally make things up and then spread it over the news, you misinform your own audience you're, because the truth will always come out and, and eventually. And, and you're going to look dumb in front of uh, thousands of, of listeners who thought you knew what you were talking about, but you're just completely wrong on uh, on how the government works or how the system uh, handles a specific issue or the role of a court system like I heard the other day that that some clowns you work with wanted to blame me for the Delphi murder situation and the justice and, and the process that's going on there and that judge. And it's so dumb to, to even think that because it's the Supreme Court and specifically the chief justice of the Indiana Supreme Court that runs our judiciary branch that, that, that has that authority. And it's the people of the particular county that elect the prosecutor. The attorney general has no role in the Delphi murder case, except where we are defending the Department of Corrections on a few motions or something like that. Honestly, I, I'm just still getting over the fact that the Supreme Court feels the need to issue tut tuts to, to people who aren't acting like they think that they should on on national TV or other organizations. Uh, but well, regardless, regardless, uh, I, I appreciate you're taking a little bit of time Thanksgiving to, to hop on and uh by all means, y'all you know, keep keep slinging the receipts. Appreciate it. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate you. And you gave me some things to think about on accountability for our gubernatorial team, because one of them is going to be whether, uh, whether it's Democrat, Republican or one of the Republicans, one of them is going to be my client. And um, and I'm looking for the best client. And the best client to me is the one who serve Indiana the best. I can work with anyone who's willing to do that. And so I think what I'm going to help do is make a maybe a series of questions based on real life scenarios here in the office of how they're, how the particular agency or not, or office holder or not, um, helped, helped the vaccine case, helped us win it or wouldn't help us at all, for example, mm-hmm. or help us on a second amendment case or wouldn't help us on a second amendment case because I can't go to court and throw a fit, Tony. I gotta go to court with evidence. But right to client, say, yeah, that's uh, it's not Matlock. Yeah. <laughs> but if my client won't give me the evidence and they won't cooperate, then we'd have less of a case. And um, maybe we should quiz the gubernatorial candidates on all that and, and uh, try to try to go easy on my friend Diego. Uh, you know, he's got his own style. He's a great guy. He's running around the state. I know he's got a big election coming up. He deserves accountability, too, just like I do, for sure. And I think the best way we have accountability in the secretary of state's office is to Make sure he's focused and see how he does on the election next year. That's fair. I'll uh, I'll reserve my judgment on uh, on him uh, a little longer, at least for 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 that sake. Thank you very much for hopping on. You are listening to the Tony Kennecast on ninety three WIBC. It's the Tony Kennecast on ninety three WIBC. Good evening and welcome back to the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC, joined this evening by a guy that I happened to cross in kind of an unusual way, given his connection to a lot of other individuals that I followed rather avidly. 
Uh, Spencer Clavin is the associate editor at the Claremont Institute. Uh, he's features editor at the American Mind, which you should definitely be checking out. And he's also the host of the Young Heretics show, which is actually how I came into touch with him. Uh, Spencer, how's it going, man? Hey, bro. It's great to see you. I'm, I'm well, thanks. How about you? Doing good. So for a lot of the, the people out there that don't know the story, I uh, was at this classical education conference when I was still working at Indianapolis Public Schools and um, saw, you know, Spencer there. We were chatting a little bit. He was being given an award. Of course he was. And uh, after, you know, the, the awarding and we were chatting a little bit about how young men of this time are starting to read classical works and they're starting to really dive into literature and I said that while I was walking through some of the classrooms in IPS and some of the rougher schools, actually, as I came across a couple of students that were listening to the Young Heretics podcast back in 2021, um, and they were just listening to it on their Chromebooks, like during free time in that class. And that caught my uh, it really caught my attention. So you're really having an impact on the young men out there, man. Way to go. Man, I love that story so much. Um, I loved it when you first told it to me, and it really makes me feel good even now. I um, There's a joke online that, like, in 2023, all of the cool kids read Marcus Aurelius and, like, go to school, and all of the, like, lame weirdos sit on their couch and, and watch Marvel movies. <laughs> I do also sometimes watch Marvel movies, but, I, of course. yeah, I, I think it's the cool thing to do these days. To like, it's what, I mean, I've, I can't believe the counterculture suddenly became, hey – you know, read classical works, improve yourself, work out, yeah. go to church, you know, just find uh, someone to really connect to and have a good family and like appreciate the simple things in life. Like somehow we have reached a point where that is like the way to rebel. Oh and it's hilarious. Gosh. I mean, because it's you've seen so, so many funny. times. How many how many times have you seen this young guy who, you know, again, rebelling, he kind of experience, he kind of experiments with this. And, you know, when we were kids, it was you experimented with something and ah, I don't really care for it because, you know, it didn't really it wasn't fulfilling. And then right. you went back to kind of the mainstay. These guys are experimenting with, again, classical literature, reading the deep stuff, and they're finding that it's fulfilling. And so they're just staying in it at like a really young age. And right. already they're not learning some lessons the hard way that a lot of us had to go through. Yeah. You know, Simone Vey says that real evil is dull and turgid and real good is an adventure but imaginary evil is exciting and uh, thrilling to imagine whereas it's really hard to write exciting stories about imaginary good and i think hmm. part of that is what we're seeing now where it's like the culture that we have of repudiation, the culture of hating our ancestors and constantly lamenting all of the sins of the past, it's that's it sounds like this kind of radical, exciting new thing. It's actually really boring, and it's kind of the most basic way to look at the world. It's like, oh, bad things in the past, like good things in the future. Like It's just a very dull way of thinking about things and, and looking at things. And these kids that are rebelling against it, exactly as you say, they're finding that real life virtue is actually the world's greatest adventure. It's actually the gauntlet of a lifetime to try to be excellent at being human. And the way you do that, at least one of the ways you do that is you read the best that has been thought and said on the subject over the thousands of years of Western history. You know, I thought about this a lot during COVID and uh, there was a, there was a time when like a lot of the churches, you know, were, were closed or were doing just online services like ours were. And uh, you kind of get to a point where, 
even if you, you really, you know, you say you want to go back, there's kind of this, well, I mean, it was kind of boring and it was just like this sluggish, you know, just thing we had to do. And then you actually get back in the church house and you hear a message preached from the word of God. Um, or in, in, you know, kind of recently, there was a point where I had been traveling a lot and I had a day off. And so I went and like did yard work on my day off and like tended my property. And at the end of the church service, after the first in-house church service after COVID and at the end of doing yard work on my day off, it felt phenomenal. Yeah. It was like, oh, wait a minute. This is extremely fulfilling. It does. It is like tending your own land. It feels good. It really does. And leading up to it, you dread it. You want to put it off. Right. Um, and again, that kind of pursuit of virtue in, in the house of God. Oh man. Once you get in and experience it though, it's like, I don't know what I was thinking. I was such a goober. Like it's know, so good. It's like good chicken soup, but like not the <laughs> crappy book series for teens. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it's, it takes an activation energy. And I think that we, always have to like remember this which you know to this day i'm out here preaching this stuff constantly like telling people log off go to church read a good book all this stuff you'll be happier you'll feel better it's all true as charles dickens says it's all right it's all true it all happened but we do partially i think because the world is broken and in sin and then also because we're surrounded by so much garbage messaging we just forget and there's like machines literally hovering in the air around us and in our pockets and in our homes that are designed to like pull us away from that it's like being in a candy store and you're like trying a casino. to get a meal. like everything is warped to like bend your attention towards something completely different exactly exactly and something inane probably yeah which, no kidding I mean, you can go too far with this, though, and you can talk about it as if you have no control over it. It's like, well, you know, the technology, it's just it hacks your brain. And, you know, I think another thing that people are kind of discovering is you do still like have free will, you know, and discipline can still work. Uh, habituation training, what Aristotle associated with the kind of core of ethical virtue, which is just repetition, does still work. That's true. And something that I've and I wouldn't say wrapping my mind or round lately, but something that I've uh, kind of been focusing on through a lot of uh, just like personal acts of like really trying to improve how I engage with like good disciplinary practice yeah. is like how garbage I am at it the first so many dozens of times. And uh -huh. it's easy to, you know, sit in a conversation like this and say, well, yeah, everyone's bad at something when they start out. But somehow when it comes to cultivating virtue and discipline, that mm. it, you're almost harder on yourself for failing in those initial stages of seeking after virtue because mm. the mark is so clearly laid out before you of where you want to be right. that it's like, oh man, well, if I'm already failing now, imagine how fruitless it's going to be if I keep trying at this stuff or if I, you know, keep trying to sludge through Marcus Aurelius huh. or, or whatever it is that you're, you're kind of set up as your goal. And it's, I mean, really, it, it takes an, a number of times to really encourage, I think, younger men. Yeah, you're going to goof up a lot. That's part of developing virtue is failing to be virtuous at first. Totally. Well, you mentioned Marcus Aurelius. One of the things that shocked me most about the meditations when I first read them is how much of it is devoted to just beating up on himself. I mean, the guy mm -hmm. 
would not give himself a break. It, it, the, the original Greek title of the book is Ta Ace How Tom, the notes to himself. And I would have thought it would just be called like, you know, 10 things I hate about me. Cause it's literally, you know, over and over again, all the ways that he falls short of that ideal. And I think the reason for that is simple. Uh, we as humans are built to know and love God and enjoy him continually. That's an infinite project. We are limited beings. No matter how far we progress, we're going to be infinitely far away from the goal. And once you realize that, it actually becomes part of the joy, part of the fun, that like you're literally in a project that will never get boring because there's always more. You can always pour yourself out more in, in pursuit of courage and, uh, and moderation and justice and all of this stuff. But right. yeah, at first it's like, it hurts. It's painful to have standards. And a lot of the stuff that people do where they, you know, deny virtue or they deny absolute good, a lot of it is cope. A lot of it's so you don't have to feel that pain. But the pain yeah. is kind of the threshold cost of, of joy. Yeah, there really is this weird idea that we have right now where anything that causes me discomfort is not just bad, but it's, it's an evil. You know, yeah. why would you want to feel bad? Why would you want to make someone feel bad? And it's like, well, what's the point of the making feel bad? Is it, you know, to, you know, reduce them to nothing or is it to clear away the rubble to build something better? Mm. And again, we've, we've lost that. We're running a little short here as, as much as I regret it. Uh, you mentioned Charles Dickens yeah. and uh, it reminds me there's a newsreel that I watched recently and I can't even tell you how I stumbled upon it. The magic of the Internet's wild algorithms. Um, but in 1943, while the troops were over in England around this time, uh, the U.S. troops, that is, uh, the English threw them a huge Thanksgiving party and the royal family was involved and it was a really great event. And the newscaster describing it said, uh, Thanksgiving is to the Americans what Charles Dickens and Christmas is to the Brits. Hmm. So I got to ask you, oh, classical literature expert, is there anything that comes to your mind that would like parallel Dickens and Christmas when it comes to Americans and Thanksgiving, I feel like hmm. it's like a public school analogy problem. And there's an author that I'm missing. What's what's the Thanksgiving author? OK, I've got three things, but they're all short. So don't be worried. Um, the first thing is William Bradford's Annals of the Voyage of the Pilgrims, which if you've never looked at it, is an astonishing document. Bradford was the governor of uh, Plymouth Rock for a while at the colony that they ended up founding. But read just the description of in 1620 November when they landed at Cape Cod and fell to their knees to thank God for their safe deliverance. It'll put steel in your spine and it'll put your problems in your perspective um, then go back and read Cicero's speech for Plancius, which even just the little paragraph, paragraph 33, where he talks about gratitude because Plancius was somebody that had taken him in when he was in exile in a time of need. And he goes on this peroration about gratitude as the mother of all virtues, which just, it's literally a paragraph long, but it, it's, it'll bring you to tears. And then finally, the last thing is uh, Abraham Lincoln's Thanksgiving proclamation in 1863 when the Civil War was still going on and Lincoln was still listing all of the benefits Benefits and all of the joys that God had provided the nation. If if you can read that and still think that times are too tough for us to feel good or to celebrate America or to eat turkey on Thanksgiving, like you've totally lost the plot. Um, those three are, I think, the like kind of Thanksgiving trifecta. What, what Dickens was to Christmas. Those are fantastic. Uh, we'll make sure that those are in the description. If you're watching on the YouTube live stream, uh, we'll make sure that it's in the podcast description. If you're catching it there, if you're catching this on the air right now, then I guess you'll just have to go look up either the YouTube live stream or the podcast then, won't you? Spencer, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate you taking just a moment on the day before Thanksgiving uh, to share just a, a little bit about, you know, the good that's coming. 
It was a pleasure, Tony. Happy Thanksgiving. To you as well. You are listening to the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. It's the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIBC. Feels like I'm losing it. Good evening and welcome back to the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIBC. Winding things down tonight, uh, just to say uh, there's a little bit of a difference between just, you know, being uh, kind of happy about what it is that you have and actually being grateful. To be grateful, you actually need to be grateful to something or someone in order for that to mean anything. We go around the table this time of year and, you know, we're right before we're eating or, you know, if your parents are merciful or after you're done eating, let's, let's all go around the table and say something that we're thankful for. And it usually just turns into, this is what I'm really happy that I have. And this is something that's kind of a theme across social media in in, in quite a common way over the last couple of years. And it's become just kind of an expression of entitlement. You know, I'm glad that I have this because I've deserved it because I've worked really hard for it. And that's something that really plagues the millennial generation. Um, It it plagues generation uh, Z following after them. Um, It's something that really became a centerpiece of American society with the uh, boomer generation. Um, This, this idea that, you know, when the greatest generation got back from world war two, we could just live off of the fat of that victory and just kind of ride it out and just be, you know, really proud of what we have. And it's really quite a disgusting way to celebrate Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a time of giving thanks, and that needs to be to someone. Um, Realistically, it should be to God. You should be giving thanks to God for absolutely everything that you have. Because when you look at the other people in the world who certainly do not have anywhere near what you have, that should immediately give you cause to be thankful. You, You should be thankful for the sacrifice that was made for you. Uh, of course, and that being the the son of God for you um, at his very own expense. Um, you should be thankful to your parents. Even if you had a rough childhood, you should be thankful that you made it to where you are. Uh, and th- whether that's, you know, parents from an adopted standpoint or birth parents or some mixture of a, a family whole or broken, there is a lot to be thankful for. But if that thankfulness is only expressed as kind of this entitled joy that, well, I'm really glad that I'm here right now and I'm glad that I have all of this. That's that's not being thankful. That's not being grateful because truly none of us actually deserves anything. I, again, I, I pull from the words of Robert Heinlein. We like to talk a lot about our rights. You know, I have a right to this. I have a right to that. I have a uh, these inalienable rights that are mine and no one else can touch them. No, no, no. Your rights, quote unquote, are bequeathed and given to you by God. Those are given to you. You don't deserve those. You have no inherent claim to anything. And that's why you should be thankful. Because every single thing that you enjoy is not something that you innately have a right to. Everything that you have and that you enjoy is a blessing from God and from those around you. And this time of year, you should express thankfulness and gratefulness for those things in some way or another. Take a few moments over the next couple of uh, over the next couple of days and and express a little bit of gratitude. Uh, it's healthy. It, it puts your mind in a proper perspective. And quite honestly, it, it's your duty to be thankful. Uh, I want to close off tonight with a little something that I made while I totally was supposed to be working today. Uh, here's a duet with uh, myself and Michael Knowles from The Daily Wire playing the 12th Street Rack. Uh, you know, just a little something for you.
Thank you very much for tuning in this week. Thanks for struggling through uh, yet another hard-working, hard-fought time. It is a joy to get to be on the air with you, and we look forward to seeing you on Monday. Have an excellent Thanksgiving. Enjoy spending time with your family. This has been the Tony Kinnecast on 93 WIBC.